Let's take God's word together and turn to the New Testament book of John. John chapter 8. I want you to do me a favor this morning and listen as carefully as you possibly can. And anytime you're in a meeting like this, there are two forces at work. Are you listening? There are two forces at work. I believe that the Spirit of God is at work already today, but I also believe that Satan himself would love nothing more than to keep you from hearing the Word of God. And I want you to pray for me as I preach, pray for yourself as you listen and others as they listen as well. Because we have a message today, it's not my message, but it's God's. It has the power to change people's lives. John chapter 8, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking and he he gives the second of his famous I am phrases, seven of them in the book of John. And the second one is I am the light of the world. One of my favorites. How many of you know today that we're living in a dark world? Would you raise your hand? You don't need me to tell you that, do you? You don't need a preacher to tell you that. You don't need somebody from America to come and tell you that. We know it. We feel it. The world is dark. And let's be honest, it doesn't seem to be getting any brighter. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Some of you today have never, never come to follow Jesus Christ. And because of that, today, right now, you are still walking in darkness. You try to hide it. I know because I've been there. You try to hide it. You dress yourself up well. And, you, and you've learned to articulate uh, words in a certain way. You've learned to speak to people in a civil manner. And you've learned to convince people that you're okay when the truth of the matter is you know that inside you are falling apart. You're living in darkness. Christ is speaking about this truth and then he faces a group of people, a crowd of people that just don't want to believe it. Now, I imagine that there are probably some today in this barn who just don't want to believe it. You liken your mind to imagine that you can handle this problem yourself. Most of the people in the world think like this. They think that if we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and join hand in hand, that we can solve the world's problem of poverty and we can solve the uh, the strife and, and the contention over there in Eastern Europe. If we just all work together, we can f- solve all the problems, fix all these things. The truth of the matter is that's never worked before. Never. You can't do it. When the Lord Jesus walked upon this earth, he, de- he dealt with a variety of people. On a daily basis. He dealt with a religious crowd. They were the Jewish people. They thought they were better than other people. Dressed a certain way. Lived a certain way. They basically looked down on other people. Because they thought they were God's people. They lived religiously. They followed the law religiously. Most of them did anyways. And yet. In it all they were still just as dead as anybody else was. Religious crowd. The religious crowd is always dead. You know that? And sometimes the religious crowd changes their name. Then it was the Jews or the Pharisees. Today, you can call it whatever name you want to. There's the religious crowd in every denomination and every group. You'll find the religious crowd in every church. There's some of that crowd here today who constantly looking down on other people because they don't live like they live and dress like by dress and talk like they talk. Constantly looking down on other people. Jesus also dealt with soldiers. I think we've got some soldiers in our midst today. 
Jesus dealt with soldiers, Roman soldiers. Sometimes he dealt with some militia kind of people, but he dealt with soldiers. He also dealt with publicans and sinners. That's where I was when Jesus found me. I was in that crowd. The interesting thing is, as different as all of these people were externally, outwardly, they were all the same inside. Now, do me a favor. Just have a quick glance across this barn. I don't know how many people are here this morning. But do you know, as different as we all may be, naturally speaking, we are all the same. Let me tell you how we're the same. You say, hold on a moment. No way. I'm not like him. I'm not like her. Don't hold on a second. I'm not like you. That's for sure. And that's okay. Naturally speaking, every last one of us are the same, just like these people. Do you know how we're the same? Naturally speaking, we are all servants of sin, slaves. Now, can I tell you, nobody likes to be told that. In fact, people get downright angry when you tell them that. They get very offensive and defensive. And, and so was the case here. Jesus was talking to the religious crowd. He wasn't even talking to an unbeliever. He wasn't even talking to somebody who didn't believe in God. He was talking to people who believed in God, believed in the law. They believed the Messiah was coming. And he looked at them and he said, you are a servant of sin. And they were angry. The Jewish people always boasted that they were free politically. Nobody controlled them. Nobody ruled over them. They were their own people. Nobody could tell them what to do. Nobody would make a fool of them. They were nobody's slave. The problem was they were still a slave, and maybe not to a government or a cruel regime, but they were servants and slaves to sin. There's another bondage that most of the world never even thinks about. And it is the reason there is such depression in the world today. It's the reason there's such darkness because the whole world is bound in chains. Jesus says in our text in John chapter 8, listen to what he says in our scripture. He says in verse number 34, verily, verily, verse 33, the Jews answered and said, look, we be Abraham's seed. And we were never in bondage to any man. We were never slaves to anybody. How can you say that you shall be made free? We don't need to be made free. And some of you this morning are thinking the same thing. A moment ago when I said that we're all slaves to sin, a moment ago you said, how dare you? Don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know some of you thought that. Who do you think you are? You sound just like these people here. Hold on a moment. Who, who, how can you say you shall be made free? I don't need to be made free. People tell me that all the time. And Jesus answered and he said something interesting to them. Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever, watch this, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. Did you catch that? Well, you might think you're free. I meet people all the time who say, look, I, I'm, I'm, I can do what I want to do. I'm a free person. Don't you bring that religious nonsense to me. Don't you talk about sin to me. I, 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 I can do what I want to do. I'm not so bad. And you start to talk to them about perhaps some of the things in their life. They hate the word sin. They maybe like they can go with the word mistake. And they can go with some of those words. But they don't like the word sin for some reason. That makes people really get upset. They won't admit it. And even if they do admit it, they, they always say, well, I can stop when I want to. 
I don't have a problem. I can stop drinking when I want to. I can I can stop looking at pornography when I want to. I can stop uh, running after money if I want to. I can stop whenever I want to. The truth of the matter is you can't. You might be free to sin, but you're not free to stop sinning. And you know that if you've ever tried to stop. Oh, you're free. You're free to sin as much as you want to. But the truth is you're not free to stop. Some of you have tried to stop. And you can't because you're a slave and your pride hates it. You hate and you will not. You refuse to admit it. You're a slave to pride. You're a slave to this world. You're a slave to dress, maybe a slave to drink, a slave to the love of money. Maybe you're a slave to lust and pornography, a slave to gambling, a slave to anger. You've got such a hot temper you can't control it. Maybe a slave to gluttony. Let me tell you this morning, you are not in control. Can't you see it? Can't you see it? You don't have any power to get free. It's interesting. All of those things, drink and the love of money and lust and gambling and anger, all of those things are cruel taskmasters who have crowds and crowds of unhappy prisoners today. I meet people all the time. Just the other day, I went in went into the pub to try to speak to someone about their soul. I brought my Bible in to try to speak to me. What are you doing? What's a preacher doing going into a pub? Don't worry, I didn't sit down and have a few pints. I brought my Bible in to speak and try to bring some comfort and some light. And I, I spoke to a man who has a terrible problem with drink. Let me tell you how bad his problem is. His skin is yellow. His eyes are yellow. He smelt like urine. And he thinks he's okay. He thinks he's okay. He thinks he's in control. He still is able to work and organize work and still has money coming in that feeds his habit and he's dying. And he still thinks he's okay. Such is the case for everyone that is outside of Christ. You are dying and you don't even realize it. You are perishing and you think you're okay. But you're not happy. You're in bondage, hand and foot and chains. And as much as you try to convince yourself you're free, you know you're not happy. Just like that man I talked to the other day in the pub. Sin is the worst taskmaster. Think about it. Sin is the worst, worst taskmaster. Because sin offers you misery and disappointment all along the way. And when you get to the end, all it leaves you with is despair and hell. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But, but, you do not have to be a servant and a slave to sin. You don't have to live like that anymore. You can be free. You can be free today. But there's only one way on this planet on this green earth that you can ever be set free, that you can ever know true liberty, there's only one way to be free of addictions. And it's not rehabilitation. It's not a detox. It's not relocating and moving to another place and getting a new set of friends. It's not better self-control. No, none of these things have ever set a soul free. There's only one way. Jesus says in verse number 36, if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, 
you shall be free indeed. You catch that? The whole world is in bondage. And until you're willing to admit it, nothing's ever going to be any different in your life. But the second you're willing to say, yes, that's me. I'm a slave to sin. I'm tired of hiding it. The second you're able to admit that, then you can cry out to God through Jesus Christ for mercy and you can be set free. You can be set free, truly free. Look, how many, think about it for a second. How many of you have ever been concerned at the loss of, of, of some of our freedoms over the last two years? Have you been concerned about it? Have you been bothered? Oh, hold on a moment. This is All this happening is really bothering me. We're starting to take away our freedoms. Has that bothered you? But has it ever bothered you that your soul isn't free? Look, you're worried because you can't go on holiday. You're worried because you can't go to a football match or a boxing a match, you can be worried about those things because your liberties and freedoms are being taken away. What about your soul? Look, you know, you can take you can take away all of my earthly freedoms. You can put me in a prison today and I can still be free. Amen. Did you know that? History has told us that. You can put a man in prison for the rest of his life and he can be as free as a bird. Amen. But would you look here? You can have all the liberties and freedoms that this so-called liberties and freedoms that this world offers you. You can be free to go on holiday. You can be free to buy what you want because you've got all the money in the world. You can be free to eat what you want, go where you want to go, do what you want to do, and still be a slave inside. And I believe, I have a feeling that that's the case for many of you today. Outwardly, you look like you're free, but inwardly, you're in bondage. Slave. Jim Carrey, the famous actor, you've heard of him before. Jim Carrey said one time, I wish everybody would get rich and famous and get everything they ever want so that they could realize that that's not the answer. Eddie Murphy, another famous actor, Eddie Murphy said this, I have everything that money can buy and yet I'm not happy. I wonder why I'm not happy. I can tell you why he's not happy. Because he's a slave to sin. Do you want true joy? Christ Jesus wants to set you free today. But how? How can this man who lived 2,000 years ago set me free today? I'll tell you why. Because when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, his sole purpose, the only reason he came, was to destroy the works of Satan and to set you free. And in destroying the works of Satan, he would indeed break the chains that have held you for so long and let you go free. That's what he did on the cross. Amen. That's what he. That's why he died for you. In dying on the cross, he took all of your sins upon himself and he suffered as if it were you on the cross. And he took your punishment. He suffered your hell and the wrath of God was poured out on him so that you could say, thank you, Lord, and walk free. He took your place. You got a choice today. You can either recognize that Jesus died for you and took your place or else you can go on in your sin and get what's coming to you at the end of the show. What's it going to be? The Lord Jesus sets us free from the guilt and the consequence of sin. It's amazing when Jesus died for you, he didn't just die for your sin, but look here, he died for the guilt and the shame. You ever been guilty? You ever felt shame before? It's a terrible feeling, isn't it? embarrassed because of your sin, embarrassed because you've been caught out. You want to go find a hole and crawl in it and just, and just get away. 
But when Jesus died, he died for your guilt and shame also. By his shed blood, he's washed away your sins. And the Bible says that you can now be justified, made right with God. You can be pardoned. I love that word pardon. You know what that word means? It means somebody, a, a royalty, a king or a queen, has the power and the authority to write over top of your guilty sentence, pardoned. They tell me that when Queen Victoria uh, took the reign, that they, she, they were put in front of her a big stack of papers, that, things that needed to be dealt with. And on top of it was she had to deal with the, with the, uh, the corporal punishment, the public execution of a very, very wicked man. She said, surely I don't have to sign that, do I? And uh, one of her chief advisors says, part of, part of your job is to sign these, these, these uh, requests. She said, I don't, want any, I don't want nothing to do with that. Please get it away from me. And he said, she said, surely there's got to be something else. And the man said, well, there's one other thing that you can do. You can write the man a pardon. She said, what? You can write him a pardon. She sat back and thought about it, picked up the quill, dipped it in the ink, signed her name to the paper and write, wrote pardon by the queen. She said, I'm going to start my rule and reign. People know this. That I'm a gracious and merciful queen and sovereign. Can I tell you, as gracious and merciful as she was, look here, God is greater. And today he wishes to pardon you. By the blood of Jesus, he wants to write across your sin account, pardon, set free. He's He alone can do that. I can't do that. You can't do that. But if you come humbly to God today and say, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Have mercy upon me. If you will confess before God your sinful condition, that's going to take you humbling yourself. If you'll admit you sinned against God and recognize that Jesus died for you, today you can be free. And you can boldly look forward to the judgment. You can boldly look forward to the day when Jesus comes back because you can say, if God be for me, who can be against me? Can I read for you one of Felix Rooney's favorite passages of Scripture? Romans chapter 8. This is one of Felix's favorite portions of Scripture. In fact, he sent a message to Patty with this in it, reading Romans chapter 8. At the end of it, he said, wowzers, meaning this was a good passage. But this chapter in Romans chapter 8, let me begin in verse number 31. Paul says, what can we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Do you know if you bow the knee today to Jesus Christ and acknowledge him as Lord, confess him as Lord, turn from your sins, then you all automatically, by the grace of God and by the shed blood of Jesus, you have God on your side. Now look, somebody once said this, one person with God is the majority. Though the whole world be against you, if God be on your side, you're going to be okay. But most of us don't want that because we're too afraid of what other people think about us. And Paul says, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not, listen to this, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And listen to this, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Do you know what? When you are, when you come to Christ Jesus, when you repent of your sins and come to Christ, then, then you become one of His children. And now nobody can condemn you. Nobody can point the finger at you and say, guilty, guilty. Look what he did. Look what she did. When you become a child of God, nobody can because Jesus stands in front of you and says, I paid it all. Think about that. When I was 16 years old, some of you have heard this before. When I was 16 years old, I was arrested. 
taken before a judge, taken into court. Won't tell you all the deeds, but uh, got involved with borrowing an automobile that wasn't mine, if you know what I mean, and uh, was brought before the judge. And do you know on that day, I stood there with my cousin. It's interesting how cousins get themselves in trouble. Because don't. I stood there on that day with my cousin as guilty as could be. They sentenced me, thankfully, because I was young. I didn't have to go away, but I did have to pay restitution and, and serve two and a half years of community service. Do you know on that day, I had no money, no way of paying restitution. I was 16 years old. Any money that I had, I wasted, squandered on nonsense. Had nothing. And can I tell you, on judgment day, you're going to stand before God, just like I did that day, guilty, and you will have nothing to pay. And the consequence of our sin and rebellion against God is an eternal separation from God himself in hell. But can I tell you something? There is someone who has already paid it. There's someone who's already paid the debt you owe. His name is Jesus. And if you will only open your eyes and see that Jesus died for me, you can be free. You can walk out of the courtroom today knowing that your debt has been paid. You'll never have to stand before God and answer for that again. It's been dealt with, finished by the shed blood of Christ. It goes on in this passage. Felix's favorite passage. This is really the the verses that Felix loved. In verse 35, it says this. Who shall separate it? Verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh intercession for us. Do you know why you can't ever get, you can never, never ever have trouble with God anymore after you've been born again? Because, because Jesus stands next to God. The Lord Jesus stands next to God. He's a good defense attorney. I had a rubbish defense attorney, I'll tell you that. But Jesus is a good one. He holds his hands up before the Father and says, Father, I've died for this one. He's mine. And Satan comes day and night to accuse you, but Jesus holds his hands up and says, Zip it, Satan, this one belongs to me. Have you been born again? Have you come to Christ? Paul says, who, now watch this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, some of you today have gone through the greatest heartache and tribulation you've ever known in your life a week ago today. But God says, even this cannot separate you from his love. Shall tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? Shall distress persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But, watch this. Nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And I'm watching it. I'm watching it in your family. I'm watching it. You're stepping up above on top of these troubles and trials. By the grace of God, he's helping you to not just get victory, but be more than a conqueror over these problems. And by the grace of God, when you come through this, you'll not just be recovered, you'll be on top of the world. By God's grace. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, or powers, that's devils and demons, nor things present or things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Look here for one second, I'm nearly done. 
sin no longer has dominion. When you've given your life to Jesus Christ, when you, when you become a new person in Christ, sin no longer can control you. And now by the grace of God, we're able to mortify sin, tread down sin, never ever to be a slave to it again. But there's one more thing. Jesus said something else very interesting. In verse number 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. There were many who believed. Many who were, who were in a meeting like this who said, that's right. He's right. I want to be free. I'm tired of being a slave. I'm tired of living like this. I want to be free. And many Jews got excited and they say, yes, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to be free. And Jesus said to them, here's what he said to them. So today, if you've decided to follow Jesus Christ, we sometimes sing that old song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Listen to what Jesus says to those who believed on him. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Let me give you one word. If you believe today, if you believed on Christ, here's a word for you. Continue. Continue. Onwards and upwards. Forward, not backwards. Go ahead. Look, it's one thing to begin, now continue. It's one thing to get started, continue. It's one thing to shoot off like a bang, but continue. It's quite easy to start, isn't it? But it's another thing to keep going. Just the other day, I woke up and said, it's about time I started trying to run again. It's been quite some time since I've done any sort of jogging. So I brought Micah with me because I thought that um, I'd feel better about myself if some young child couldn't keep up with me. <laughs> he could, though. But do you know what happened? Do you know what happened? It was easy to start running. Relatively easy. I felt pretty good about myself. I'm not so bad. I'm not so out of shape after all. But just a few meters, a few yards down the road, I started to feel it. And so it is when you follow Jesus. It's not so bad to get started. Once you get started, it feels good, doesn't it? It's amazing. Wow, look at all these people who love Jesus. I've never seen anything like it. Look at these people singing. Look at these people praying. And it's amazing. People getting dunked in the water. It's unbelievable. Never seen anything like it. This is I'm never, ever leaving this again. But just a few meters down the road, you're going to hit a pothole. A little bit down the road, it's going to get tough. And so Jesus says, continue. Continue. It's not the beginning that's the test of your Christianity. It's the continuing. Keep going. It doesn't mean you're not going to fall. We all stumble and fall. It doesn't mean you're not going to have a low period. Look, I've had many of them. I've done some stupid things before. But you get back up. You walk in freedom. You walk in liberty. Oh, yes, I fall. But the difference is now where I used to fall and stay down. You know what I'm talking about? I used to fall and stay there for a couple of weeks, a couple of months maybe. Maybe a couple of years. Now I fall and I get right back up. By the grace of God. Back up. And Jesus says, look, if you continue in my word, here's the key. You want to finish strong? Here's the key. Stay in the word. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 2, patient continuing. Continuing on patiently. Look, it's not he that sprints or runs fast and furiously at the first, but rather him that keeps up and keeps running. So let me tell you, if you believe today, you keep running. Don't you slow down. Don't you stop. Some of you this week have put your faith in Jesus Christ. Praise God. But keep running. Don't you stop. 
It's going to get tough. You're going to hit a pothole this week. You're going to go through a low period this week. Don't stop. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep trusting him. And by the grace of God, you'll come out of that pothole. You'll come out of that difficulty stronger than ever. But don't you stop. Some of you today need to be free. I wonder, would you look this way? I wonder how many of you believe today that God has already set you free. Would you raise your hand? You believe you've been set free. Good. I wonder if anybody's willing, honest enough to say, I don't think I'm free yet. I don't think I'm in. Thank you. You need to be. You can be. You can be. Today, you can be. Today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. God brought you here today to hear this so you could be set free. Like a bird in a cage when the door is open. Fly. And you can be free through Christ Jesus. If you will today, call upon him. Today, by faith, believe on him. Trust in him. And follow him. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we praise and magnify thy name. We rejoice that Jesus Christ has made us free. Father, our prayer this morning is for those who are still in bondage. Maybe those who are so proud and so arrogant that they can't even admit it. They can't even bring themselves to admit it. Father, I pray that they'd get no rest until they see themselves for what they really are. But don't stop there, Father. Help them to see that there's hope in Jesus Christ. Help them to see that there's liberty in the Savior, that their life can be changed, that they can become new in Christ. Oh, God, save someone today. Deliver some, set some people free by the shed blood of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Help us who have believed to continue. Help us to press on, Lord. When things get difficult, help us to put one foot in front of the other. Oh God, when we feel like we can't even get out of bed in the morning, help us, Lord, lift us up. Help us, may we keep our eyes upon Thee. May we continue in the Word. Oh Lord, help us, we pray. Bless Thy people this morning. Bless those who are yet to become Thy people and save them. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen.